we are on a mission to help lawyers and law firm owners maximize wealth and achieve financial independence. Welcome to The Lawyer Millionaire with Darren Words from Words Financial Services. In this podcast, we will help you build wealth, minimize your taxes, and plan for retirement with money management strategies designed for the legal profession. Join us in this journey where we help you manage your money so you can make the most of your future. Start feeling confident in knowing you are well prepared for retirement and on track to financial independence. Now on to the show. Law firm owners face numerous challenges, from financial management and marketing to work-life balance. Our guest today has navigated these intricacies himself and now helps other law firm owners do the same. Get ready for invaluable insights and practical advice to become more effective, efficient, and profitable. Welcome to the Lawyer Millionaire Podcast. I'm your host, Darren Wirtz, financial planner for ambitious law firm owners. Today, we're honored to have Michael Chastain, an award-winning attorney, mentor, speaker, and author of the highly acclaimed book, Legal Ease, The Ultimate Guide on How to Survive a Law Practice. Mike has had an extensive career as a criminal defense attorney and law firm owner. His firm is Chastain Jones, located in Northern California. Mike, welcome to the show. We're glad you're here. Well, thank you very much. I'm uh, very much looking forward to this. Absolutely. Me as well. Before we dive in, why don't you just share with us and our listeners a little bit about yourself, who you are, and some of the work that you do. Sure. So um, to make a very long story short, I graduated from law school back in 1985 and had a very uh, long and productive career in the public defender's office in San Jose, California. I was there for about 17 years. Um. I moved to the Sacramento area, joined a, a, a law firm that was very well known, um, kind of cut my teeth in the Sacramento area, got to know my way around there, and then opened up my own firm in 2007. Um, you know, the, 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 the story for me was really all about mentors. I had great mentors in the public defender's office. Um, I really learned my craft. I was doing uh, death penalty cases and all manner of very serious uh, criminal cases. Um, but what I didn't have was I didn't have a uh, business mentor. So when I went out on my own, I had this belief that, well, I'm really good at what I do. So people will just somehow know that, show up and and pay me. Um, well, it doesn't work that way, as you know. And so I, I uh, spent a number of years struggling uh, you know, trying to figure out how to pay the rent, where the next uh, client was going to come from. Eventually, I started doing what needed to be done, which was investing in myself and investing in mentors and learn the business side of, of it. Um, and from there, we had had steady growth, uh, wound up going over seven figures uh, routinely with just three lawyers, myself included. And at the end of 2021, I sold the firm. And so now um, I'm of counsel to the firm. Um, I consult with them. I consult with other attorneys, but I don't live in California anymore. I live in New Mexico. And uh, through the miracle of uh, technology, I can do you know 99% of the things that need to be done through Zoom or phone calls or, or what have you. Fabulous. You have done what we have talked a lot about on this show in terms of setting yourself up for that next phase of your career and you know moving into more of a work um, 
on your own schedule kind of uh, kind of arrangement. So I love it. That's great. And I want to hear more about how that's working for you. But I want to get into the main message of your book. And I was looking at your website and I noticed you had on there an interesting fact, um, a study from the ABA or something that says most attorneys and probably especially law firm owners are unhappy. Can you tell us why that is in your experience? Yeah, I think there's a number of reasons. Um, one, it's it's really hard work. Uh, um, you know, being a lawyer is, is a tremendous amount of responsibility. You know, you are trying to fix problems that other people have made, um, whether it's a car accident or, you know, a contract issue or a criminal problem or a family law problem. It doesn't matter. It's a problem that you didn't um, uh, cause, but now you're trying to fix it. So there's a lot of responsibility there. Um, two, there's a lot of st- stress um, from just the competitive nature of practicing law. Um, you know, law school kind of teaches you that it's you or me as opposed to this collaborative, let's all work together. Um, that's not how most lawyers work. And then the stress of, of owning a business, um, I think most lawyers are ill-prepared. They don't know how to do it. I know I certainly wasn't. Um, I, as I said earlier, I, you know, I had this illusion that just cause I was good at what I did somehow that would, you know, turn into, to dollars. It doesn't work that way. So you have to learn all of the skill sets to run a business, including, you know, hiring and firing all the, um, you know, learning how to be a leader, uh, in your own firm, um, as well as all the day-to-day work. So I, I think that it, it it's really and there's not a lot of support. I mean, that's really what it comes down to. Most of the lawyers that I know, and I know hundreds of lawyers, maybe thousands of lawyers, they don't talk about, oh, you know, the business problems that they're having. Um, and so they don't share the, that burden. And so they don't get the help. And that was the the big thing. When I went and, and really reached out and invested in mentors, all of a sudden I was surrounded with people who would actually open their books and go, let me show you what as a practical matter is going on and how we can turn this, um, you know, zero net gain at the end of the month to a, a profitable firm and how you can start putting money away so that you have um, options. Cause that's really what money buys you is options. So I think, that, I think it's all part of, of those things um, that, you know, cause lawyers to just not be happy with, with the, uh, you know, the totality of what they've got going on. I guess the good news is there that a lot of those things you mentioned are things that can be solved. They're problems that there are solutions to. And, you know, if you implement some of those solutions that can bring happiness and 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 maybe we need to define what happiness is. Maybe that's peace of mind, uh, less stress, uh, stuff like that. Yeah, for me, it's 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 control is having the perfect day on a regular basis. So what what would your perfect day be? So like this morning, a good example, I got up. I didn't have an alarm clock. Um, I got up when I was ready to get up. Um, I meditated for 15 minutes. I did 20 minutes of yoga and then I walked around my property. Now, that's a great way to start my day. And I've been doing something akin to that for years, even when I was actively practicing, you know, get up in the morning, get my day started in the right way, get my mind 
set in in a a way that I have good intentions of what it is I want to accomplish. That for me was uh, was the perfect day. Everyone else has their own. You know, I'm not saying my way is the only way, but you know, to that was where I kind of started. Is I decided what do I want my days to look like, and then how do I build my business around that so that I can actually have those days. Yeah, that's great. Purposefully designing the business to support mm-hmm. the life that you really want. I love it. So let's get into yeah. your book. You've got this book, Legalese, and there's a new edition coming. I'll let you tell a little bit about that. Um, you give a lot of practical advice on productivity for law firm owners. It's it's a fabulous book. One of the things you mention is the 80-20 rule. Can you tell us a little bit about that, what that means for law firm owners and how they can put that in, in practice? Yeah, uh, you know, the 80-20 rule um, is basically the, the, the concept that about 20% of the work that you do uh, accounts for about 80% of your productivity or your revenue. And and Clio just came out with a uh, a report that said, you know, the average uh, lawyer is only billing two and a half hours a day out of an eight hour day. So that's at about 30%, right? Um, so that kind of lines up. So the, the, the issue is what are the things that you were doing in that 80% that are not being productive? You know, are you rummaging through your email? Are you, you know, wasting time doing a variety of things? Are you doing busy work rather than productive work? And so the the key behind the 20, the 80, 20 rule is learning where that 20% is. Who are the, who are the clients that are actually paying? I mean, how many of us have taken on clients that we knew from the get-go weren't going to pay, weren't going to be cooperative, we're going to be a real pain in our rear. And yet we took it anyway. Um, the the idea behind the 80-20 rule is that you can recognize that that person is going to be in that 80 percent where you're going to work really hard and not make any money off of it, you know, then you can learn to say no and start, you know, spending your time in the 20-80 rule um, or in the 20 percent of where the real productivity is. And, you know, one of the examples that I that I, I, I use is if you're a guitar player, if you, if you play musical instruments, in a guitar, there's um, like 4,000 chords technically you could make. But Almost every popular song that you listen to is made up of three or four chords, and most of them are major or minors, right? So if you learn about 50 chords, you can play probably 90% of the music out there. So the, the question is, do you spend a bunch of time trying to you know develop a, a, a D9 sus, uh, you know, or a, a D9 sus, um, or which is a chord that you will probably never ever use, or do you do you get really good at doing your G C D transitions? <laughs> um, and and you know, as a guitar player, that really made a lot of sense to me. Is I focus on the stuff that really can get me somewhere, and it's it's just a good example of how the eighty twenty rule works. Um, where are you spending your time in the productivity twenty percent, or are you burning time doing stuff that's busy work? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, first of all, you mean there are clients that don't pay? I'm shocked. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I wish that that was not true, but it is um, even big firms, you know, uh, uh, a part of their report, the clear report said that uh, even in the, you know, the really big firms, they collected about 90% of their, um, of what they built. So if you're doing 90%, that's pretty good. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, I was, Staying in those pro, uh, productive arenas, 
This is, I, I am relating so much to this. There are so many black holes that we can get stuck in. We were talking about one of them before we came on, which is emails. Um, are there other traps that we need to avoid that are going to really just tank our productivity? Well, yeah, if you have an office uh, where you have, uh, you know, employees, other lawyers, law clerks, paralegals, what have you, uh, um, you really need to be very firm about when you allow them to stick their head in your door. <laughs> because if you let them do it, they will do it all day long. Hey, Mike, mm -hmm. you got just a minute? Hey, Mike, you got just a minute? And then 45 minutes later, right? Um, so, you know, the setting rules of engagement for not only your clients when you're available to them because they don't need you they don't they don't even expect you to be available 24/7 right the 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 best lawyers in the world are not available to their 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 clients on the cell phone you know you got to make an appointment with them there's a great book um that i just read called the the fourth door um where this kid is trying to make appointments with um uh you know, Warren Beatty or not Warren Beatty, Warren Buffett and uh, Mark Zuckerberg and whatever. And all it, it, the, the book goes through all the hoops he has to jump through to get an appointment with these guys. Right. Um, you need to to value your time enough that you are not readily available to every single person that walks through the door. And and by doing that, you you can really focus on on the things that will make you the best lawyer that you can be. If, if if I'm working on a jury trial, for example, I'm I'm trying to come up with a closing argument, I cannot be interrupted. I I need that time. I need it to to percolate and to think about it and to run through various um things. Cause that's what people are paying me the big bucks for. Um so you know the the go back to your your question how do you how do you do that is you you have to be very firm about when you're available and when you're not set your rules and then stick to them it's easy to set the rules it's the sticking to it that's the yeah. hard part <laughs> and so um you know i in our office you know before i while i was there you know there were just times when you could talk to me and then there were times when uh, you know, you say, unless the building's on fire and I'm the only one with a bucket of water, do not knock on my door. Right. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, you really need those times of, of real intense focus where no one's mm -hmm. going to bother you. I can relate to that. Um, you know, so you talk a lot about systems in the book and, and, uh, been talking about systems with other folks. I think we talked about systems before on the, on the podcast processes and procedures. I'm curious what are some of your favorite systems that you've put in place over the years that have really been the best for you that have maximized your own productivity that you would recommend for others? Yeah, that's, that's a great question. So one of the most important ones, I think, is um, your intake system. So when the, the phone rings, who's answering and how is that getting dealt with? Um, I don't answer the phone. We you know, have a dedicated person who answers the phone. They have a script. They have a, a real clear intention of what the purpose of of that is for us. It's if somebody calls, it's to set an appointment. You know, everything else is secondary. The goal is to set an appointment with that person to get them into the office. Um, so having a system that you can both that you can measure um, how many calls are coming in and how many of those are being set for appointments. Once you know sort of your baseline of what that should be then you can um, really monitor if it falls off. Uh, you know, so let's say you're 70% of the people who call, you set an appointment. 
Um, and then you look at the report and you go, oh, well, this week was only 60%. Okay, is that just an anomaly? Um, or did we change something? And nine times out of 10, my experience is we uh, stopped following the script. And then it's just a matter of getting back on the script and then the numbers go right back to where they're supposed to be. Uh, if you don't measure it, if you're not following that, then you have no idea. And it could be literally months where that script turned into something completely different. And, um, you know, I mean, because as you know, the, the hardest part is to get people to call. Now, once they've called, now they're what I consider low-hanging fruit. They've raised their hands, say, hey, I, I'm interested in what you offer. Um, so we need to get them through the system, right? And the, the goal is the, that first call to get them into an appointment so we can, you know, begin all of that. So that's, to me, that is like the number one system that you got to have in place. And the lawyer should not be answering the phone, right? As a matter of fact, it's worse when the lawyer answers the phone because then you start answering questions. Hmm. And that that is that doesn't move you towards what you want, which is to set the appointment. Right. If you're answering questions, all of a sudden they're like, what do I need an appointment for? He's already answered my question. <laughs> um, so I, I think that that's really important. And then on the other side of it is the whole bookkeeping thing. I think that that needs to be done by somebody else. I don't care if you are a bookkeeper. Um, that really needs to be done by somebody else. And then you monitor it. So, you know, in our system, I look at the bank account every single day. I look at the P&L probably four or five times a week. So I know exactly where we are to the penny, and I know whether we can hire somebody, you know, whether we can buy new computers, you know, what, whatever the expenses are, um, and and we know where our profit margins are, and uh, you know, uh, are they staying where they're supposed to be, or is there a problem? And if there's a problem, then we, you know, backtrack and start figuring out why. Yeah, great stuff. So intake, one area you really need to have systems. And it sounds like the system is whatever works best for you. The important thing is just to have the system and then have metrics so you can measure its success and you can make changes and you can improve upon it. And I'm so glad you mentioned the second one, bookkeeping. <laughs> yes, getting your finances in order. So critical. And on that note, I want to ask you since you know I'm a financial planner, but I want to hear from your perspective as a law firm owner. How important is it for law firm owners to have a financial plan in place? And what should be the key components for a law firm owner's plan? So it's a great question. Um, you know, you can't know, you know, there's this old saying that there's what you want your firm to look like, there's what you think your firm looks like, and then what it really does. And the only way to know that is to know your numbers. You got to know, are you profitable? Um, I, I am very much, um, a big fan of Mike McCallowitz profit first. That's how we run our, our firm. Um, so when a dollar comes in, a little piece is, is sliced off that goes in the profit, um, account, the little, little piece sliced off into the tax account, um, the savings account, and then whatever's left basically is the budget to run the firm, right? That, that's the operating account. Um, you got to know that. And you, you, you've got to be able to anticipate, you know, when a big bill is coming, um, you got to have that, you, you know, you can't be caught by surprise every quarter when your estimate, your tax estimates come up. You know, if you are, then you're not, you know, you're not planning properly. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, and the other thing is, is that 
my advice, uh, and, and this I really go into this in the in the new book. But my advice for for especially new firm owners is you got to save every penny you can. I mean, COVID taught us mm. that you know your firm, despite everything that you do, it could be in perfect shape, but if the courts close down, you're going to struggle, right? And when we had the the good fortune of having saved, we had a hundred thousand dollars sitting in a bank account, just in a savings account. And I went to my financial planner and I was like complaining about, I got all this money sitting there and it's doing basically nothing, right? Um, Cause it's just sitting in a savings account making virtually nothing. And he said to me very wisely, he said, well, what's it for? And I said, well, it's in case there's you know a problem. He says, so it needs to be liquid, right? Yeah. He said, then it's doing exactly what it needs to be doing. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't six weeks later, COVID hit and our courts closed down. And we went through almost the entire amount until we were able to rejigger um, the the firm and start, you know, putting ourselves back to, together. I didn't have to borrow money. I didn't have to put it on a credit card. Um, so that's the value of, you know, knowing where you are um, financially. You've got to forecast those numbers and you got to have an emergency fund. We, we talk about that on the personal side, but you got to have a business emergency fund too. And you're so right. It's got to be liquid. It's got to be accessible. It's got to be safe so you can get to it. You know, a lot of times law firm owners will maybe rely on a line of credit, but if banks are under stress, your line of credit might get pulled. You might not have that line of credit available to you. So it's so critical to have cash. Cash is king. <laughs> um, Many well, times. and even under line of credit, now you're paying interest on it. Yeah, right. Uh, and that and that can you know that can add up really really fast. So you know I prefer to be my own bank if I can. And yeah. that was the key of of having that money in there. Um, you know, it took it took a while to build that up. But, you know, it's it's just small increments. And again, this is part of your system, right? When money came in, part of my system was I would go into the account, I would move all the money into the various bank accounts, and you, you got to read um, McCallowitz's profit first to understand. But we had nine bank accounts. Um, and you move all of that stuff, and now you know exactly where you are. Yeah, yeah, I love it. I, I'm a big fan of that system, using multiple bank accounts for all those purposes. A follow-up question I have, because I think you mentioned this earlier, and it's something I've been uh, talking with people about recently, is how do you know, as a law firm owner, when you're ready to hire somebody, to bring on an employee or maybe another attorney? Is there a financial place you need to be at? What would be your counsel you would give there? Yeah, that's that's a good question. So um, my general rule of thumb is that any legal employee, so that would be a law clerk, a lawyer, whatever, should be generating four times their uh, salary. So if you're paying them a hundred grand, they need to be bringing in 400. Now that's pretty optimistic. If they bring in 300, you're probably still okay. Um, But that's the calculation that I do is is I start looking, okay, if I bring in this person, am I going to be able to feed them enough enough, uh, work that they're going to be able to generate that kind of money. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I don't think there's a definitive thing. I, um, you know, you want them to generate money right away. You probably are going to have a month where you're going to have to support them. 
but you shouldn't really have to support um, anyone who's doing billable hours, whether it's whether you do flat rate or or billable hours or some hybrid of those things, doesn't really matter. Um, are they doing enough work to generate that kind of, of income? And do you have the work that, to provide them? Um, the, and then the, this kind of boils down to, well, are you niching your practice or are you, you know, being a general practitioner? And we very much niched. Um, so we are always looking for paralegals and law clerks and, and attorneys because they're hard to find. And, um, you know, my mentor said you should always be recruiting. You don't have to always be hiring, but you should always be recruiting because when you find the right person, sometimes they'll bring in their own caseload. Um, sometimes they'll just be a super workhorse and they'll generate a bunch of hours. Um, but that's what you need to be looking for. So what I would say is um, the time, if you think that you are going to grow, if you want a firm that has a couple lawyers as opposed to just being a solo. You need to be recruiting right now, even if you don't think you're ready to hire, because it may take you six months to find the right person. What you don't want to be is in the position of, I got to hire the first warm body that shows up because that that could be disastrous, right? So we're always looking. We're always, you know, oh, that public defender seems pretty sharp. You know, maybe we should chat with them and start building a relationship. And maybe they're, it's not time for us to hire and maybe they're not interested yet. But that changes, you know. I was 17 years at the public defender's office. I I thought I would never leave. And then one day, I just decided it was time. Mm-hmm. And, you know, um, it was a whole host of reasons. But, um, yeah, things change. That's why you keep recruiting. Okay, good. Great advice. So keep recruiting. And even if you know you're not quite ready, you got to be ready when the time comes. And it sounds like a lot of the, the criteria revolves around the work coming in. And if you have the leads coming in and the clients coming in and you need that extra support and you can provide that extra work for that person. I want to get to one more thing here. And um, that is your advice for attorneys, law firm owners, once their practice has really hit its stride, right? Once you've set up your practice, it's profitable, it's running smoothly, um, you've got a, a steady flow of new clients coming in. What's next? How do you move to stage two of ownership? So you're not, you know, working 70 hours a week anymore. How do you make that transition? Yeah, that's a good question. So I think it, a lot of it boils down to what do you want? So do you just want to do jury trials and have everybody, I mean, cause at the end of, at the end of, uh, before I sold it, that's basically where I was. I was basically doing all the uh, doing trials because I like doing trials, but I was having other people do all the prep work. So I was doing the fun stuff, and they were, you know, doing the grunt work of getting me all the things that I needed, um, subpoenaing the people and what have you. Um, if you want to go into more of a management situation, you know, then that that would be a different trajectory. But I, but I think this, the commonality, the one thing that you have to have is you've got to have metrics. You've got to you've got to know your numbers, and you need to have you know reporting that you can identify where the problems are. Because just because everything's running smooth today, it doesn't mean that'll be true tomorrow. You know, Google changes its analytics, and all of a sudden, your SEO is you know not producing. Um, uh, there, you know, or or something like COVID. I mean, there's all kinds of things that you can't control. So, 
the the I think the the key is is to have good reliable metrics that you know are are correct, um, and then monitor them so that you're you know you start to look at okay where are problems starting to develop, right? So it's it's a little bit like the check engine light on your car, right? Just because that goes on doesn't mean your car is falling apart, but it does tell you that you you should probably go check the oil and the fluids and maybe take it in and have a, a look see. Sometimes it's just a little tweak, but you know, as the example I said before, when our set rate um, for appointments drops, you know, below seventy percent, the first thing I'm doing is I'm talking to um, you know the 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 person who's setting appointments and just going over, are you following the script? So, and, and nine times out of 10, you find, yeah, yeah, I didn't do this piece. Okay. Or I did it in a different order. All right. Well, maybe that matters. And let's get back on, on, on script. Um, you want to be doing that long before there's a real problem, right? You can fix the things that you can control. Definitely. Awesome stuff, Mike. Uh, we're coming close to the end of our time here. Uh, but to wrap up, I just want uh to give you the opportunity to share a little bit about some of your future plans and projects you're working on and also share with our audience uh, where they can find you and learn more about you. Okay. Well, thank you. So um, I, I, I've just done a, a, a new book. Um, I, I, it's sitting on my flash drive, ready to go to, to the editor. Um, you know, what I realized about legalese, you know, um, how to survive a practice, I, I felt like the bar was set too low. Um, and so this new book is really designed towards mastery. You know, how do you become the master of your craft? Um, not just survive it and, and not be miserable, but how do you actually become one of the top lawyers in, in your field uh, if that's what you want? Um, and so I take a lot of the same concepts and, and really expand on them. And there's a lot of new concepts that I think are, are really important um, to deal with. So that that's that project's going on right now. Um I'm also working with other uh, small and, and solo law firms. Um, you know, everyone from I've got a client right now who you know is brand spanking new, and so we got to start you know basically from scratch, which was really kind of fun um, to get him set up. So he's got his systems all in place. So as he grows, he'll be rocking and rolling, and he won't go through a lot of these struggles. I'm also dealing with a guy who's on the uh, totally other end who's looking to retire, and. and um, getting his numbers all together so that he can sell the firm or bring in a partner um, or run it without actually practicing, which is you know possible as well. Um, so those are the things that I'm working um, on. I have a website, MikeChastain.com. Um, it kind of lays out what I offer. Um, everything is very personalized. So it's not, this is not an in-the-box system. This is, I sit down with you, I find out what you want. That's the number one thing. What do you, what, you know, what's the end game for you? Um, and then start to design um, using, you know, uh, business practices that are well-developed, foundational, um, and get those into place because every business has certain things that it just has to have. Uh, get those into place and then um, start tweaking your systems in a way so that you can have the lifestyle that you want. So that's what I'm doing with folks. You can reach me at MikeChastain.com. Uh, um, uh, Mike at Mike Ch or MichaelChastain.com is my email or MChastain at Gmail. You can get to me either way. Um, 
but yeah, that's what I'm offering. Great. Great. Thanks so much, Mike. We'll make sure we put all of that in the show notes for everybody if they want to get in touch with you. And with that, we've come to the end of another insightful episode of the Lawyer Millionaire Podcast. I hope you found our uh, conversation valuable. Remember, having a solid financial plan, using systems to boost your productivity, and prioritizing your work-life balance are all vital aspects to building a thriving law practice. If you enjoyed today's episode, be sure to subscribe to our podcast to never miss an episode. And don't forget to leave a review to let us know how we're doing and help us reach even more aspiring lawyer millionaires. Are you an ambitious law firm owner with big ideas about the future? As a financial planner, I help law firm owners get crystal clear about their future life goals and create a plan to achieve them. I can help relieve the financial stress in your life by partnering with you as your personal CFO to master your cash flow, reduce your taxes, and exponentially grow your net worth so you can secure your future and legacy. Learn more at thelawyermillionaire.com. Until next time, this is Darren Wirtz signing off and wishing you continued success on your journey. Thank you for listening to The Lawyer Millionaire. Click the follow button below to be notified when new episodes become available. This content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. This content is not intended to represent investing or tax advice. Always seek the advice of a qualified investment or tax advisor with any questions you may have regarding your own financial circumstances.